Howdy, everybody. Dr. Andy Woods here. I'm the pastor teacher here at Sugarland Bible Church. I'm back with my friend, colleague, fellow elder, associate pastor, Dr. Jim McGowan. And today is January the 27th, 2023. We have for you today pastor's point of view number 241. And we have, um, once again, a prophecy update. As you look at our outline here, here are the five uh, major issues that we're going to seek to cover. And let's just jump right in, Brother Jim, with a very fast update on Gog Magog. And you'll remember from the map that we frequently use that there's going to be a conglomeration of nations from the north that are going to invade Israel. You'll notice on this map that we have Russia and Persia, Rosh and Persia, Russia and Iran circled because we see them as principal players in this invasion. And when you go over to Ezekiel 38, verse 13, you see very clearly why they're going to invade Israel in the last days. Do you mind reading Ezekiel 38, verse 13 All right, for Re us? reading from the New American Standard 95 update, Ezekiel 38, verse 13, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all its villages will say to you, have you come to capture spoil? Have you assembled your company to seize plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to capture great spoil? So the invasion apparently is for some different reasons, but one of the things mm -hmm. Ezekiel 38 verse 13 brings up is the desire for silver mm -hmm. and for gold. Yeah, plunder. Mm -hmm. So if we're close to this time period when these things will happen, we would expect Iran and Russia to start cooperating with each other mm -hmm. concerning gold. Yes. Is that a fair, yes. <laughs> is that a fair yeah, assessment? Absolutely. And so here comes uh, this article from... Uh, TheCoinTelegraph.com by Helen Parts, January the 16th, 2023. It says, Iran and Russia want to issue new stable coin backed by gold. What? So, <laughs> so what is this article about? Wow. Here's the article, folks. The Central Bank of Iran is reportedly cooperating with the Russian government to jointly issue a new cryptocurrency backed by gold. According to the Russian news agency Vedomosti, Iran is, mo is working with Russia to create a token of the Persian Gulf region that would serve as a payment method in foreign trade. The token is projected to be issued in the form of a stablecoin backed by gold, according to Alexander Brosnikov, executive director of the Russian Association of Crypto Industry and Blockchain. The stablecoin aims to enable cross-border transactions instead of fiat currencies like the United States dollar, the Russian ruble, or the Iranian rial. The report notes that the potential cryptocurrency would operate in a special economic zone in Astrakhan where Russia started to accept Iranian cargo shipments. Iran and Russia are among the countries that banned their residents from using cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and stablecoin like Tether for payments. At the same time, Iran and Russia have been actively working to adopt crypto as a tool of foreign trade. See, think about how impossible 
this prophecy of Ezekiel 38, this invasion from the north, would be 100 years ago. Oh, yeah. Number one, there was no Israel to invade prior to 1948. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Number two, um, uh, Russia was a Christian Orthodox country yeah. and would have no ambition to invade Israel. That all changed beginning in 1917, roughly, beginning uh, with the communist revolution in Russia. Yes. And then Iran, <clears throat> prior to 1979, before the Shah was deposed and replaced with the Ayatollah, was actually an ally of Israel in the United States. And so <laughs> if you give things enough time, um, eventually history catches up with the scenario the Bible portrays. And right. what we think will happen, I mean, we don't know this for sure, but there's a very strong possibility that there could be in the land of Israel a gold discovery. Mm -hmm. And the reason we think that is because it's just a matter of comparing the Solomonic Empire to what was taken by Israel into the Babylonian captivity. Compare the lists in, e in uh, Ezra and Nehemiah to all of the gold that Solomon had. Yeah. So the issue is, well, where did it go? What happened to them? Conjecture is that the Israelis hit it. In fact, they hit it so well that maybe they forgot where it was, and a subsequent generation is going to discover it. And so that's what's going to launch, you know, the, that's going to furnish the motivation for this invasion from the north yeah. via Iran and Russia. And so now, based on this article, you know, that you just read, not only do you have Iran and Russia cooperating with each other, but they both have this common interest in a currency mm -hmm. backed by gold. Yeah. And so we just bring this to people's attention because it's just another example of how the Lord is setting the stage yes. you know, for the fulfillment of his word. Now, did you catch this here, Brother Jim, in this article? It says Iran is working with Russia to create a token of the Persian Gulf region. I did. Um, part of their desire to, you know, create this currency backed by gold is to create their own region. Yes. And one of the things we talked about in our prior pastor's point of view, I think this is number 240, is how the world currently is being regionalized into 10. Um, we think that is prophetically significant because of what Daniel chapter 7, verse 24 says. What does that say? Daniel chapter 7, verse 24, As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them. And he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. So the interpretation we gave of this last time is not just 10 kings coming from Europe. That's the common mm -hmm. uh, interpretation amongst many prophecy students. But it's actually the world, because we're going to read verse 23 a little later, which comes before verse 24. And that's talking about a global empire. Yes. And so the world is going to be divided into 10 kingdoms ruled by 10 kings and these kingdoms will be basically 10 regions. Mm -hmm. So the name of the game uh, in the globalist community is to take countries that are similarly situated and sort of mesh them together mm -hmm. and have uh, sort of a reigning authority over each region. Yeah. We think that that's currently what they're trying to do with North America, where they're trying to merge, as we covered last time, mm -hmm. Canada, the United States, 
and Mexico, yeah. one currency, and we're governed by one body. Yeah. So we lose our sovereignty. Yes. And eventually the world is going to be <clears throat> divided up into these 10 regions. And so, in fact, let's put the Club of Rome map up very quickly. The Club of Rome, which is a one world organization, a few years back divided the world into 10 regions. There it is. And, you know, whether these are going to be the identical regions of the end times, we're not sure. There'll probably be some boundary drawing if regions even have boundaries, you know, as we get closer to the end of the age. But I found this very interesting because they're talking about here this currency um, that they're seeking to create between Russia and Iran is a token of the Persian Gulf region. Yeah. So the Persian Gulf region would be a region. Europe... Uh, the European Economic Community is a region. Mm-hmm. North America, as we talked about last time, the DNA Declaration of North America, which mm-hmm. is on the White House website, is a region. And eventually there's going to be 10 of these, and that's the structure that the Antichrist is going to use to catapult his way into global you know, power. And so this article is fascinating because it talks about Russia and Iran cooperating over gold that's ezekiel 38 verse 13 and they want this currency backed by gold because they're trying to build one of the 10 regions so i don't know brother jim we're living in a time period where the prophecies seem to be jumping right off the pages of scripture falling into place (laughs) falling falling into place not not falling apart as has been often said but falling into place with that being said let's go to our next uh category here this has to do with globalism and uh, the recent meeting at Davos concerning the World Economic Forum, where they all sort of get together and plot out their plans for world dominion. Yes. Uh, we have Daniel 7, verse 23, as a prophecy concerning globalism in the end times. And what does that say? Daniel chapter 7, verse 23. The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. So that's very clearly talking about one world tyranny. Tyranny, yes. Mm -hmm. As we've said many times. So what is this Davos World Economic Forum? What is this all about? Well, I found this uh, article in Breitbart by Kurt Zendulka, if I'm pronouncing that right. January 15th, 2023, and it says, Great Reset, Individual CO2 Limits Needed to Fight Climate Change, says German scientists. Help us with that article. An individual carbon dioxide limit should be applied to every person in order to establish a planetary guardrail (laughs) in the effort to combat allegedly man-made climate change, a leading German scientist has argued. Hans-Joachim Schellhuber from the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research said this week that every person should have a limit of three tons of CO2 emissions per year, and those who exceed their limit should be forced to pay for the pleasure. Aside from not spelling out how he expects people to drastically reduce their carbon emissions, the German scientist did not elaborate on how exactly this will be tracked and monitored. However, 
At last year's World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, Alibaba Group President J. Michael Evans said that the Chinese tech giant, that's Alibaba Group, is currently developing a digital individual carbon footprint tracker to monitor the emissions of the public. Quoting, we are developing through technology the ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint, where they're traveling, how are they traveling, what are they eating, what are they consuming on the platform, the former Goldman Sachs banker explained. Ironically, given that the annual meeting, which will convene again next week, sees thousands of private jets descend upon the Swiss ski retreat. And Evans went on to say that the tracker would ensure that people are incentivized to do the right thing, even if they were provided the opportunity to do the wrong thing. So here's what Davos is about, folks. They're devising a planetary guardrail. Did you know that's being constructed right now in their minds? And, um, of course, they don't spell out exactly how they plan to enforce all of these limits on carbon emissions. But when you go back to a prior meeting, they were talking about an individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm -hmm. And, Brother Jim, it looks to be yet another case of rules for thee, but not for me, Mm -hmm. because thousands of private jets (laughs) will descend upon a Swiss ski resort where they're going to talk about how they can incentivize. Yes. In other words, punish. Yes. People for not doing the right thing in terms of carbon emissions. So this is the Davos agenda. It's all about planetary and government control over the masses when these elites, you know, won't lift a finger to follow the same mandates that they are theorizing for other people. And and isn't it fascinating that they're going to the Chinese tech giant (laughs) who has experience in tracking their people? Yes. Uh, The CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, you know, I guess is the model that they want to foist upon the entire world. And we think this is prophetic, uh, significant prophetically, because this is what the Bible predicts for the end times, albeit Daniel 7.23. Now, you'll you'll notice this uh, citation we have from the book of Revelation, chapter 17 and verse 5. What does that say? Uh, Revelation chapter 17, verse 5, and on her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. Now, I remember the late uh, Dave Hunt, who I was a a fan of his and Mm -hmm. one of his students from his many writings, and I disagreed with him on this one point, but he was trying to identify this with the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And I think that's wrong. Rome is in the West. This is talking about Babylon in the East. But but interestingly, one of the points he made is this woman is called a harlot. Mm-hmm. And he was pointing out all of the sexual um, uh, immorality, pedophilia, mm-hmm. and all of these things happening in the Catholic Church. And if his analysis is correct on that point... Why can't we do that to point out all of the sexual immorality happening at Davos? Yes. And so consequently, we have this article from ZeroHedge.com, January 
17, 2023, and it's called The Dark Side of Davos Revealed as Global Elites Bookings for Sex Workers Soar. What is that article about? Can you, can you believe that there's an article with that kind of title? Yes. Yeah. Here's the article. This week, global elites who are supposedly tackling the world's problems, such as climate change, at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, will also be partying. Demand for sex workers by business tycoons and world leaders surges during the five-day summit. One escort named Liana sheds light on the dark side of Davos, telling BILD, which is a German newspaper, that demand for prostitutes skyrockets during the meeting. An escort service also confirmed sex workers would be very busy this week. An investigation into the skyrocketing demand for sex workers at the WEF's Davos summit was revealed by the Times. Their reporting found at least 100 known prostitutes traveled to the summit in 2020. WEF invited about 2,500 global elites this year. And nearly 30,000 more are expected to attend dinners and wild parties at the ski resort. So a couple of things here. Notice the prostitution. And maybe we could use Dave Hunt's analysis and say, well, we can apply that to Davos. Mm -hmm. um, because we're told to look for a one world harlot, mm -hmm. you know, in the last days. Um, beyond that, you'll notice that the value system of the people of Davos is not your value system out there, Amen you know, Mr. and Mrs. America. Yeah. These people are not your friend. They're not on your side. Uh, look at their lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And uh, beyond that, it reminds me of the United Nations. There's a, a lot that was uncovered about the United Nations going back to the 1990s Wherever it extended its influence into foreign countries, there was always um, unwanted pregnancies, rape, the spread of venereal disease. And so this is just, you know, uh, uh, hand in glove, so to speak, with, uh, with what we know, already know about the United Nations. And so, you know, these people that are, that are putting this world plan together, not only do they not share your values... But they have no intention of even following the same rules that we follow normally. Exactly. Uh, because all of these carbon emission limitations that they're imposing, they're not imposing on themselves as they mm -hmm. all rack up giant carbon footprints to, to fly and party at this ski resort while they plot uh, the, the totalitarian takeover of the world. Well, they're special. <laughs> they're spe yeah, that's right. They're the Illuminati. Yeah, they're the special. The illuminated one, illuminated ones, mm. or the the elites. It's kind mm. of a higher form of uh, it's kind of a form of Gnosticism. Mm. You know, they have the secret knowledge. But you know, these things shouldn't surprise us because global tyranny, you know, is a mark of the last days. Well, you know, Satan <laughs> thought he was pretty special too, didn't he? Yes, he sure did. Mm. Um, let's go for the sake of time to our third category, and this has to do with smart. Cities. Um, one of the things that is uh, popping up all over the world are these, um, what we would call smart cities. And these are cities that are coming up almost instantaneously. Mm -hmm. 
And this is our third category here, smart cities. And we have to pay attention to these cities because Bible prophecy anticipates a dominant city in the last days. And we find that in a couple of places. One of them is in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 18. And so what does that say? Revelation chapter 17, verse 18. The woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So look for a city. Don't just look for a religious system. Look for a city. That's the Greek word polis, Mm -hmm. meaning city as in metropolis, etc. And then you have the same prediction over in the book of Revelation chapter 18 and verse 10. What does that say? Revelation chapter 18 verse 10. Standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. So this is an area that a lot of prophecy teachers miss. And I'm not sure why, if it's a presuppositional reading comprehension problem or what, but you hear people go on and on about the coming one world religion, Mm -hmm. which is part of it, but the Bible doesn't just call our attention to the coming one world religion. It calls our attention to a particular city on planet earth. Uh, Bullinger noted this blind spot in prophecy teachers in his day. And notice what Bollinger, the late E.W. Bollinger, says in his Revelation commentary. All right, quoting. It is indeed surprising how any mistake could have been made in the identification of this woman. For the Holy Spirit first shows us her very name upon her forehead. Then in verse 18, he tells us, as plainly as words can tell anything, that the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. And chapter, that would be what, 16, 19, as well as chapter 17, 5, identifies this city with Babylon. God says it is a city. He does not say a system or a religion, but a city. See, how can you interpret the vision correctly when you ignore the dominant clue at the end of the chapter telling us who the woman is, this harlot? Mm-hmm. I mean, this harlot is a certainly a religious system, but she's located in a particular city. Mm-hmm. And the blind spots, even on those that hold to a literal method of interpretation here, is, is stunning to me. Yes. Notice this quote from John Walvoord in his Revelation commentary. Now, he's one of our heroes. Mm-hmm. He would advocate uh, what we call literal interpretation. Mm-hmm. And notice what he says in his Revelation commentary concerning Revelation 17, verse 5. All right, quoting again, the city here, according to verse 5, is a mystery, not a literal city. The ultimate decision depends upon the judgment of the expositor. But in many respects, it is simpler to postulate a rebuilt Babylon as fulfilling literally the Old Testament prophecies, as well as that embodied in this chapter. So the second part of that quote is his treatment of chapter 18 of Revelation. And there I think he's got it right because he's talking about a city. Mm -hmm. But the first part of the quote is what he's doing in chapter 17. And he says the city here, according to verse 5, is a mystery, not a literal city. When John in Revelation 17 verse 18, the very end of the chapter, says the woman that you saw is a city. So for whatever reason, people are not seeing this sudden city popping up. Now, we believe that this city will be located in 
literal Babylon. Yes. Because the word Babylon in Revelation 17 and 18 is used over and over again. And when you go through the Bible, what you'll discover, Old Testament and New Testament, is the word Babylon is used 300 times. Wow. And every single time it means Babylon, you know, modern day Iraq, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in Mesopotamia, between the rivers, the Euphrates, and the Tigris. And one of the arguments that people use against our literal interpretation is, well, a city in that part of the world could not pop up this fast. I mean, if we're as close to the rapture as you guys say we are, or as close to the end time scenario as you say, say we are, how could a city of that magnitude just jump into existence so fast? Yeah. And I've heard that argument forever <clears throat> as to why people dismiss a literal interpretation of these prophecies. And I think that argument is being put to rest today because we're seeing cities pop up just like that almost overnight. That's true. And if it could happen in all these other locales, why couldn't it happen in uh, Iraq between the Euphrates and the Tigris? You were going to say well, something? Well, I was just, as you were saying that, it just immediately popped in my head. Have they forgotten in the United States how back in the eight, 1849 when the gold rush hit? And cities popped up immediately. Yeah, there's a great, so what's the big deal? Yeah, and now we have all this technology making it even easier that's, for that's cities right. to pop up. So with that being said, we have this article by Katie Warren, February 24th. Now this goes back a year or two to 2021, but it's from businessinsider.com. And it says, Toyota just finished building a 175-acre smart city at the base of Mount Fuji in Japan. Mm -hmm. Just an example of a rapidly emerging smart city. What does that article say? Yeah, it says they started building, but that was two years ago, right? So it's probably done now. Here's the article. Toyota Motor Company started construction this week on a 175-acre smart city at the base of Japan's Mount Fuji, about 62 miles from Tokyo, the company announced Tuesday. The city, which Tokyo has dubbed the Woven City, is expected to function as a testing ground for technologies like robotics, smart homes, and artificial intelligence. A starting population of about 360 inventors, senior citizens, and families with young children will test and develop these technologies. These residents who are expected to move into the woven city within five years will live in smart homes with in-home robotics systems to assist with daily living and sensor-based artificial intelligence to monitor health and take care of other basic needs, according to the company. The eventual plan is for the city to house a population of more than 2,000 Toyota employees and their families, retired couples, retailers, and scientists. A rapidly built smart city. Now, one of the interesting things is this next news item we're going to draw people's attention to is in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And there on the screen, you see a map of Dubai and where it is. And notice how close Dubai is to Iraq. Yes. And so things can materialize almost instantaneously in that part of the world. Yes. In fact, here is, uh, I think, about six pictures on this particular uh, slide. And it shows what Dubai has become. Mm-hmm. 
literally a, a city of great stature arising out of the desert is what has yes. happened. And if it yes. could happen in Dubai, why can't it happen in nearby Babylon as well in fulfillment of Revelation 17 and 18? So that's why I was very interested in this particular article from interestengineering.com, January 21st, 2023. And it says, Dubai to get the world's first 3D mosque by 2025. And excuse me, 3D printed mosque mm -hmm. by 2025. And this is new terrain for me. I'm trying to figure out what this is, but we talked a little bit off air yeah. and you basically communicated to me that it has to do with the velocity or how, how rapid the construction process is. Of, yes, and so what is that article about? All right. The first 3D printed mosque in the world will be constructed by Dubai's Islamic Affairs and Charitable Activities Department in the United Arab Emirates. The 2,000 square meter mosque which is anticipated to welcome up to 600 worshipers in 2025, will be built in Bur Dubai, one of the oldest neighborhoods in the Arab Emirates, according to an IACAD press release last week. The 3D building technology, according to Al Shabani, director of IACAD's engineering division, would make it more sustainable, quoting, using 3D printing will reduce the construction material waste. Mm. It is friendly to the environment. The mosque represents the vision of our wise leadership, he said. The choice to build the mosque using 3D printing technology is in keeping with Dubai's ambition to become a leading center for technology by 2030. The Dubai 3D printing strategy was an initiative started in 2016 by His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, the ruler of Dubai, to position the city as a major hub for technology. And one of the things that's interesting about these mosques and how fast they're able to be built is not only to validate the existence of a rapidly emerging smart city in the Middle East, but also to show you um, how Islam is spreading all over the world yeah. and how fast these mosques now can come into existence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We think that's prophetically significant from another angle because Zechariah 12 verse 3 anticipates that the entire world will come against Israel in the last days. Yes. What does Zechariah 12, verse 3 say? We should have a slide on that. Mm -hmm. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 3. It will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. All the nations of the earth coming against Jerusalem in the last days. We have a similar prophecy a couple of chapters later in the book of Zechariah chapter 14 and verses 2 and 3. What does that say? All right, Zechariah chapter 14, 2 and 3. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, and half of the city exiled. But the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. 
See, what, what is the motive for all the nations of the earth to come against Israel and Jerusalem in the last days? I would submit that one of the motives is the rapid spread of Islam throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because Muslims believe that Jerusalem is a holy site. Mm -hmm. Even though the word Jerusalem you know, is not found in any of their holy books, like mm -hmm. the Quran, although it is found 300 800 times actually in the Bible, mm -hmm. because they believe that's where Muhammad allegedly ascended back to Allah on a steed, as we've said, named Barak. Mm -hmm. And so they believe that Jerusalem is their holy site. And the Jews say, no, Jerusalem is our holy site. Of course, on that issue, we side with the Jews and not the Muslims because Jerusalem is mentioned many times in Hebrew Bible, mm -hmm. as yes. I indicated earlier. But what is interesting is as Islam spreads, this ideology and this motive for invading Israel in the last days spreads to all the nations. And that pattern or trend is expedited. So now that mosques can be um, erected, these uh, what are called these 3D mosques mm -hmm. can be erected almost overnight. Yeah. And so, you know, this whole concept of a 3D printed mosque, it shows you a how fast cities and smart cities with all the accompaniments can materialize in the Middle East nearby Dubai. And it shows you how fast Islam is spreading, mm -hmm. which very well could be the motive for all of the nations invading Israel in the last days. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and keep in mind too that, that they're just experimenting with doing a mosque right now, but this whole technology can be used for building any type of building. Very, very interesting. Well, with all of that being said, let's go to our fourth um, category here. It has to do with Mark of the Beast technology. And we know that the Mark of the Beast is coming. And Indeed. the go-to verse on that is the book of Revelation, chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. What does that say? Revelation, chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. So we don't think that we have the mark of the beast yet because we don't have the beast yet. And the beast is currently being restrained by the restrainer, which we believe is the Holy Spirit's ministry through the church, Second Thessalonians 2, verses 6 and 7. But one of these days that restraint via the rapture is going to be removed. Mm -hmm. The beast or the Antichrist will come forward and he'll kind of um, flick the switch of a structure that's already been built. And the yep. mark of the beast system will come into existence probably, I would think, in the second half of the tribulation period. But what's very interesting is technology, as we know it today, always seems to move us not away from, but rather in the direction of what yes, uh, Revelation 13, 16 through 18 speaks of. I mean, there's just a stream of articles. It's amazing. One after the other dealing with this subject. So with that being said, notice this particular article from thehill.com by Zahana Smith. 
January the 23rd, 2023, brand new article. It says, human microchip implants take center stage. What is that article about? The novelty of replacing one's home key with a microchip implant is gaining worldwide interest. Today, more than 50,000 people have elected to have a subdermal chip surgically inserted between the thumb and index finger serve as their new swipe key or credit card. In Germany, for example, more than 2,000 Germans have opted to receive these implants. One man even used it to store a link to his last will and testament. Chip implants are just one of the many types of emerging technologies in the Internet of Things, an expanding digital cosmos of wirelessly connected Internet-enabled devices. Radio frequency identification chips are identifying transponders that typically carry a unique identification number and can be tagged with user data such as health records, social media profiles, and financial information. RFID chips are passive transponders, which means the digital reader must be positioned a few inches away from the user's microchipped hand to communicate. In contrast, near-field communication NFC chips use electromagnetic radio fields to wirelessly communicate to digital readers in close proximity, much like smartphones and contactless credit cards. According to a 2021 United Kingdom-based consumer survey by Propeller Insights on digital payment trends in Europe, 51%, let me say that again, 51% of the approximately 2,000 respondents said they would consider (laughs) getting a chip implant to pay for services. This technology is especially popular in Sweden. We hear about Sweden all the time, don't we? It's it's almost as if they're beta testing this. Exactly. Sweden Sweden is is at the top of the list. So the technology is especially popular in Sweden as a substitute for paying with cash. Quoting, only one in four people living in Sweden use cash at least once a week, close quote, writes NPR. More than 4,000 Swedes have replaced key cards for chip implants to use for gym access, e-tickets on railway travel, and to store emergency contact information. The technology also may offer increased mobility for people with physically limiting health conditions, Mm -hmm. such as rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, and motor uh, neuron disease, according to Biotech, a UK-based tech firm. For example, quoting, a wheelchair mobile person can approach a door and the reader will unlock the door, avoiding the need for keys that the person may not be able to use for themselves. As technology historian Melvin Kranzberg noted, listen to this, folks, technology is neither good nor bad, nor is it neutral. See, what's interesting based on that last quote from the technology historian is... Yeah, technology is neutral, but what happens if it falls into the wrong hands? Right. And biblically, we know that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> it is happening. <laughs> it is happening because the Antichrist is going to come along and say, hey, all this stuff is swell. I'm going to use this to yep. you know, control and, and, mm-hmm. and subjugate 
uh, the masses. But you'll notice that all of this is being promoted as convenience. Mm-hmm. I mean, this article at the very beginning said today more than 50,000 people have elected to have a subdermal chip surgically inserted between the thumb and the index finger to serve as their new swipe key or credit card. I mean, this is who, who could be against this? This is all convenient. And then they bring in the fact that people with limiting, physically limiting yeah. health conditions yeah, come on. Yeah. Uh, are going to use this. And so that's I guess a selling point, I guess if you're against it, you don't have any compassion. That's exactly what they're trying to, to push. <laughs> and you're against convenience. And, you know, this is interesting because it's talking about a subdermal chip. And there's a debate about the mark of the beast. Is it going to be epi, the Greek preposition, epi upon the skin? Or is it uper, below the skin? I guess I would give the arguments to the epi side on the skin. But we're not arguing that this is the mark of the beast. What, what we're basically arguing is the technology is always moving us in the direction, never away right, from, right. but in the direction of the mark of the beast system. That's why we bring it up in uh, prophecy updates. Yeah, and they list this number of different illnesses that people have and really struck me because I saw, I saw multiple sclerosis there, mm-hmm. MS, mm-hmm. which my wife has. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, she's not going to take any of this. Yeah, so you would have... Uh, you know, you would know something about it and, you know, you would be one of those if you stood against it. You know, we would take your testimony seriously because that's something you deal with on a day-by-day basis. Yeah. So with all of that being said, let's go to our fifth and final area. This has to do with societal sins, Mm -hmm. in this case, sin. And one of the things that's going to skyrocket as we get closer to the end of the age is the sin of murder. Mm-hmm. And we find that in Revelation 9, 20 and 21. What does that say? Revelation chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and silver and of brass and of stone and of wood which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. Now I call these sins that are enumerated here, listed, the big seven. Mm. Um, You'll notice this slide here. It lists uh, the seven major sins of the tribulation period. Demon worship, idolatry, Murder, sorcery, immorality, thefts, spiritual indifference. We've got murder underlined because that's what we're going to focus on here. But, you know, what what really keeps people's hands away from murdering their fellow man? I think one of the greatest incentives to avoiding murder is the idea that people, whether you like them or not or agree with them or not or have been wronged by them or not, are special. Mm-hmm. Because they are distinct from, and this is true with saved and unsaved people. Right. They're distinct from any creature God has made. Your fellow man bears God's image. That's, that's and right. And if they're a fellow image bearer of God, they're entitled to a certain degree of, of respect and dignity. Absolutely. And so we see that very early in the Bible in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
male and female, he created them. Now, the fall of man, Genesis 3, has not erased our image-bearing status. It may have effaced it, mm -hmm. but not erased it, because I could show you post-fall passages in the Bible that still tell us that man bears God's That's image. Right. One of those is post-fall, post-flood. It's in Genesis 9, verse 6. Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. This is why God mandates with civil government capital punishment. Exactly. Because if you kill someone or murder them in cold blood, you're murdering a fellow image bearer. Mm -hmm. And so you should have to pay you yes. know, with, with your own life. We don't have it on the screen or on any of our um, Word documents, but people might want to jot down James chapter 3. I mm -hmm. think it's about verse 9. Uh, James says this is why we're to curtail our tongue from slandering people. Yes. We got to treat people respectfully and with dignity because they are fellow image bearers of God. So when this status is lost, the murder rate goes up. Um, if we stop seeing people as fellow image bearer, then there's no, no more is there a disincentive or a barrier towards abusing them, mm -hmm. slandering them, and ultimately murdering them. And so seeing man as a dis distinction from the animals, as an image bearer, I would expect to deteriorate as we get to the end of the age, mm -hmm. which would explain the murders taking place in the tribulation period itself. So with all of that being said, that's why I was stunned by this article from Breitbart, <clears throat> written by Thomas Williams, PhD, January the 23rd, 2023. And it deals with a prestigious medical journal called The Lancet and how it is shifting away from human-centered health care to all life is equal health care. In other words, the distinction between man and the animals, according to this academic thought, is now being removed. Mm -hmm. What is that article about? Well, and, you, and you know this is all as a result of Darwinism. Yes, that's exactly right. right. If, you, if you follow the trail. All right, here's the article. The once prestigious UK Lancet Medical Journal urges a revolutionary shift of perspective away from human-centered health care in favor of ecological equity, attributing equal value to all life. In its advocacy for One Health, the Lancet proposes an integrated unifying approach that aims to, uh, aim, uh, that aims to sustainability balance and optimize the health of people, animals, and ecosystems, asserting that the health of humans, domestic and wild animals, plants, and the wider environment, including ecosystems, are closely linked and interdependent. The traditional approach to healthcare takes a purely anthropomorphic, oh, let me try that again, a purely anthropocentric view that the human being is the center of medical attention and concern, the Lancet declares, whereas One Health places us in an interconnected and interdependent relationship with, watch the wording here, non-human animals and the environment. 
the revolutionary shift of perspective called for by one health is based on the more progressive axiom that all life is equal and of equal concern. The journal proposes, which means addressing pressing health issues at the human-animal-environment interface. In its revolutionary proposal, The Lancet suggests that the life of a human being is not necessarily worth more than the life of any non-human being. One Health demands that we take a fundamentally different approach to the natural world, the journal contends. One in which we are as concerned about the welfare of non-human animals and the environment as we are about humans. In its truest sense, One Health is a call for ecological, not merely health equity, it concludes. Now, the key line for me in this whole article is the one you just read, quote, in its revolutionary proposal, the Lancet suggests that the life of a human being is not necessarily worth more than the life of a non-human animal. Right. And what people need to understand about God is he's a God of distinctions. Yes, he is. There is a distinction between God and man. Well, that's being erased through New Age theology. Yes. There's a distinction between man and woman. Well, that's being erased through the whole LGBTQU, et cetera, et cetera, transgender movement. There is a distinction between man and animal. Well, that's being erased too yes, because is. of what you indicated before evolution. Mm -hmm. Because after all, we're just evolved animals. We're naked apes. So that's right. why, why would we medically treat them differently? Mm -hmm. And that distinction is being erased now as a, as a natural consequence of you know, uh, decades and decades and decades of uh, going all the way back to Darwin mm -hmm. in 18, uh, what was it, 1859, 1857, right in there, arguing for evolutionary theory. And all they're doing is following the evolutionary trajectory That's and basically right. saying, you know what, when it comes to healthcare, we're not going to treat humans any different than animals because we're going to move to an all life, mm -hmm. you know, sort of mindset. Well, you just took away the, a key distinction between man and animal, which mm -hmm. prevents human beings from murdering each other. The so, key. so this distinction has to be obliterated if we're going to have the massive murders that the tribulation period seems to indicate. By the way, when we talk about a biblical worldview, what did Jesus, I can't think of a better authority to quote from, what did Jesus himself say about the distinction between humans and animals? What did he say in Matthew six twenty six, the great Sermon on the Mount chapter? And he should know something about this, shouldn't he? <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? So his point is, why you consume with anxiety about you having your needs met? God takes care of the birds. Won't he take care of you? Since you're not worth, you're obviously worth much more than they. What, what is he saying? He's saying you're made in God's image. They aren't. That's exactly right. And going from the lesser to the greater, if God takes care of non-image bearers, don't you think he's going to take care of you economically of image bearers? Yeah. So Jesus, I don't think, would sign on to what the Lancet no. Journal here is doing. No. He says something very similar in Matthew chapter 
12, verse 12, just for context, let's read verses 10 through 12. All right, Matthew chapter 12, verses 10 through 12. And a man was there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus, asking, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? And he said to them, What man is there among you who has a sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So Jesus is criticized by the Pharisees for ministering to the needs of man on the Sabbath. Yes. And they're trying to you know, play this game that he's somehow violating the Sabbath law. And he basically turns around and calls them hypocrites. Boy, does he. And says, wouldn't you pull your, what does he say, your sheep, sheep. Mm-hmm. out of a ditch on the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. And if you do that on the Sabbath, then what's the problem with me ministering to man on the Sabbath since a man is much more valuable than a sheep or an animal? That's exactly what he said back in Matthew Chapter 6, verse 26. So this Lancet Journal article moving the medical field away from an anthropocentric man-centered model to an all-life model is is about um, as contradictory (laughs) to a biblical worldview as I can think of. You're right. It's it's really evolutionary, but at the same time it's prophetically significant because the barrier against murder Mm -hmm. is now removed. I mean, if we go out hunting for animals, why can't we go out hunting for people since there's no distinction between the two and removing that distinction and God is the author of distinctions Mm -hmm. is a key uh, uh, stage setting event for the murders, Mm -hmm. the rampant murders that are going to take place in the tribulation. Just very quickly, if you want to see, you know, in today's time, the working out of this removing of the image of God, go to Chicago. Yeah, that's exactly right. The murder capital of the United States. That's exactly right. And you blame the whole thing, I think, largely on what the public schools have been teaching. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you teach kids their animals, they're going to go out and act like animals. That's exactly right. And they're going to move into young adulthood acting like animals. So that is our prophecy update for today. We've We've done a Gog Magog update. A little bit of an update on globalism and the World Economic Forum. A little bit on the smart cities, showing you how fast the city of Babylon can come into existence. We've tried to bring you up to speed on the Mark of the Beast uh, technology. And we've also tried to bring you up to speed on why the stage is now being set for the rampant murders, which will take place at the end of the age by removing... And all this stuff starts in the the intellectual circles first, but removing in healthcare, you know, the distinction between man and animal. I guess it's okay now for euthanasia mm-hmm. and early exit and uh, assisted suicide because a human being really is no different than an animal. Just do, go back to Sweden. Th- there you go. And so, Brother Jim, do we have any good news? We do. And that's found in Titus 2.13, which says... Amen. Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So the world um, is, as the late Adrian Rogers said, is growing gloriously dark Mm -hmm. because Jesus, the morning star, in the midst of pitch blackness, Second Peter chapter one verses nineteen through twenty one calls Jesus the morning star is about to appear. Yes, he is, and maintain his promise 
of taking us out of the world before the wrath of God hits. Mm -hmm. And so we believe in the following expression, the best is yet to come. Amen. And so, yes, things are very, very bleak, but that just validates what the Bible says. And if the Bible's true on all these points, then it's true on the promise of the CERN soon return of Jesus. And this is why we exhort people to place their faith, and they can do it right now, even as I am speaking, expressly into the into the person of Jesus Christ yes. for their salvation and the safekeeping of their soul so they can be made right with God and participate Amen. in this uh, rapture promise. Just a couple of concluding thoughts um, by way of infomercials. We have a prophecy conference coming up at Sugarland Bible Church. We have a Shabbat dinner, uh, Sugar Creek Country Club, February the 24th. Uh, we're filled up for that. We don't have any more slots, but if people want to participate in that, they can call the church and get their name put on the waiting list. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to be followed by February 25th, which we have many slots available. Our all-day Sugarland Bible Church Prophecy Conference featuring myself, Olivier Melnick, and Don Perkins. And yeah. then we're going to conclude it with a Q&A, which people always enjoy. And then we're going to roll over into Sunday morning, which will be a normal church service. It's not part of the conference. No registration is required where we're going to be having uh, Olivier Melnick and Don Perkins teach our two sessions here at Sugarland Bible Church. But if you want to come Saturday, we would encourage you to go to the Sugarland Bible Church Facebook page and register while spots are available. We would encourage you to follow Pastor's Point of View in podcast format. Wherever you get your podcasts, you should be able to find us. And we would also encourage you to get our new app and download it and a lot of the content that we have done on Pastor's Point of View and in our independent teaching uh, sessions at Sugarland Bible Church has been uploaded to that app. And after um, the podcast and the app, I want to remind you of the Compass Cruise, where I'm going to be one of the teachers visiting the land of Israel and various Bible lands areas. And that's going to be September 28th through October 16th, 2023. You should see a website, a link and a phone number on the screen. That's all I have for today, Brother Jim. We want to thank everybody for following us. And also, we would invite you to share Pastor's Point of View, because sharing is caring, as they like to say. Thank you for watching Pastor's Point of View, and we will see you next time. God bless you. God bless.